2: Hey, it's been a while. Welcome to the very first Main Street Vegan Podcast of 2017. I hope you had a wonderful celebratory season. Oh, I did. Oh, my gosh. I celebrated all 12 days of Christmas, and I actually started with the winter solstice, and I did Hanukkah, and Boxing Day, and Kwanzaa, and Epiphany. I really, really recommend that when you have a chance to celebrate, you just do it with your whole heart and soul. Quite the uplift. For those of you who are brand new to the Main Street Vegan program this year, I am Victoria Moran. I'm the author of Main Street Vegan, the founder and director of Main Street Vegan Academy. Any interest in becoming a certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator? Well, that's something we can do for you. And I'm the host of this program on Unity Online Radio. And I hope you'll check out their other offerings here at unity.fm. And if you're nourished by the programming, maybe you'll want to become a supporter of this network, which really is the voice of an awakening world. And at the beginning of this brand new year, we are devoting January to your resolutions. Oh, come on. I know we say we don't make them, but this is the time of year when everybody is thinking about getting healthy and getting And just going into this year with a little more va-va-va-voom than we came out of the last one. So we're devoting all of our January programming to just that. After the break today, we'll be bringing back the very popular Dr. Frank Sabatino to talk about some of the newest developments in health and staying young forever. And right now, we're going to talk about a very popular January subject. And that is eating in a way that just makes you the, have the kind of body that makes you happy with yourself. My guest is Allison Kramer. You know her from her previous books, uh, Great Gluten-Free Vegan Eats and Sweet Eats for All. And her new book is Naturally Lean, 125 Nourishing Gluten-Free Plant-Based Recipes All Under 300 calories welcome allison hi victoria thank you so much for having me it is wonderful to have you your book is absolutely beautiful and i just saw it's won awards you're really getting a a lot of attention for this wonderful book and when you look at the recipes and you think about the 300 calories it's like wait a minute how could that be because these recipes just look rich and wonderful and lovely what's the secret
3: well, the secret is whole foods. I think that's the the best part about it is that you're right. They're very decadent recipes um, with tons of flavor. And what I really set out to do with this book was create all these recipes using um, not just whole foods, um, but also foods that are more accessible to people that maybe are unfamiliar with vegan eating or healthy eating. Um, just pantry and produce items that you might be able to find at your local grocery store.
2: Yeah, I can tell that. Just when you leaf through, you're you're not tripping over something of, oh my gosh, is that going to take a visit to the Asian market and then I have to go to the hardware store for parchment (laughs) paper and cheesecloth and twine. Yeah, accessible is great. Now, you do say in your book that that just because you're eating vegan and vegan and gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be eating healthy. What else do we have to look for?
3: Yeah, that's correct. In fact, um, the first uh, my first few books basically um, focused on comfort foods and replicating recipes that uh, would replace, you know, the equivalents of say a hostess cupcake. You know, you would make one that was also vegan and gluten free, but tasted just like a hostess cupcake or something to that effect. With these recipes, um, there's a lot less focus on trying to make it taste like the the Uh, pre-packaged, you know, um, kind of genetically modified flavors that maybe some people are used to. And this really focuses on using the whole foods. And so the unhealthy elements of eating gluten-free or vegan is, my opinion, is when you have a lot of um, processed elements, a lot of added sugars that are going to be taxing on the liver and the body, um, a lot of maybe unpronounceable ingredients, and um, I really just wanted to shy away from all of that and really focus on the bounty that our earth has to off- offer us um, as far as nutrition and taste and um, aesthetic appeal goes as well.
2: It's so true, and as I look at your beautiful recipes and oh my gosh, the beautiful photographs! Thank <laughs> you did so much. Photographs is, is, that was is, me actually? Photo- yeah. Well, whoever it was, <laughs> being you, oh my goodness, you are really gifted as a photographer. Thank it you. reminds me of of the way we did things before there were so many vegan convenience foods, when we really had to take the whole foods and make something wonderful. And I know some people probably look at this and say, well, under 300 calories, I thought when you were plant-based, you didn't have to think about calories. Well, the fact is, we don't, but you have shown why we don't, that you yes. can take these recipes that just happen to be low-calorie, too.
3: Yeah, and they're packed, and that's the best part about eating nutritious whole foods is that, you know, you get so much bang for your buck. You can eat an entire bowl full of deliciously flavored and spiced vegetables and fruits and grains, and you're going to really come out a lot under, say you would with a, a typical standard American diet meal of any type.
2: Absolutely. So why are whole
3: foods so important, not just for health, but also for weight loss? Well, weight loss, I think it's the key, again, with the, um, the nutritionally packed, low calorie, high nutrition dense foods, is that they, they, they do Offer less calories, so you're storing less, and therefore you're gonna to have to burn off less. But really, they're providing your body with a lot of nutrients um, that you need that you might not be able to get in filler foods or more processed foods, and that keeps you satiated longer. Um, but it also helps your your cells kind of regenerate and um, go through this whole process of healing and treating itself like it should be. Um, and those whole foods are crucial to that because it's it's very hard to get adequate nutrition. Um, you know, just eating processed crap and then relying on supplementation and stuff. It's so much better to just go to the straight route of, you know, I mean, it's from the earth, it's here for us to eat, and it doesn't take much to make it taste delicious and really help fuel that weight loss. And that was something that it took a while for me to realize. Um, I had gone back and forth, yo-yo diets so much, even as a kid, um, almost always being vegan, but uh, it until I found that Whole Foods, it doesn't take, it's not really that tricky. You just have to stick with the Whole Foods and, you know, it helps.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I have the same kind of background. uh, Although for me, it was almost impossible when I was young to to even become vegan. It took me years because I was a practicing binge eater. And I can remember standing in front of the refrigerator and looking for what was missing. And I think it was a combination of what's missing from my life and what's missing from my nutrition. Ah. And and with the whole foods, you put in what's missing from the nutrition. And I actually think with veganism and this ethical stance, you put in a lot of what's missing from life. So it's, sure. it's a winning combination. So, so give us some tips. It is January. A lot of people are trying to lose weight. So... Um, Tell us, what what are your secrets?
3: Sure. Well, I really love to eat. I mean, this is cliche, but eat the rainbow. And I don't mean Skittles, <laughs> you know, funky colored, um, creams inside of Oreos or anything, although those are fine every once in a while. But um, I'm really talking about, you know, traveling the perimeter of the grocery store or visiting, I know it's January, but farmer's markets and getting fresh produce. Um, Look at what appeals to your eye and fill your grocery shopping cart or bag up with that type of stuff and really try to to focus your meals around that. I know when I'm feeling like just ravishingly hungry, the best thing I can do for myself is look in my refrigerator and pull out every single color I can find that's a vegetable, um, fruits also as well, and grains, and kind of mix them up. Um, if you get your greens, you're going to get a ton of great fiber in there that's not going to be digestible. that will help go through you know, with the cellulose and everything, help push things along as well as the grains, um, and all kinds of colorful vegetables. It'll give you all the nutrients you need, and it really, I mean, I almost feel that I can't eat too much when eating this way. Um, That's the best part about it is that I don't have to calorie restrict. I don't have to count calories. I don't have to look even uh, what I'm eating really, as long as it's a healthy choice, as long as I can say, okay, I feel good about putting this in my body. I mean, you really do feel I feel lighter, I feel um, healthier, more alert in mental energy as well. And I would just say, eat the rainbow, stay away from, maybe just, you know, take a while and stay away from the easy vegan processed foods that we might gravitate toward and try replacing it with um, just, you know, some mushrooms and some delicious winter squashes and take advantage of what the season has to offer. mm Wonderful. Now there are some specific ingredients
2: that are really high in nutrients and surprisingly low in calories. What are some of your
3: favorites? Oh gosh. Um, well, greens. I put greens on everything. I eat them for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. It's kind of silly, um, but they're so high in nutrients and so low in calories. I mean, and there's so much of a variety of them. You can go for spinach, which is you know wonderful for you, or collard greens, which I use um, as a gluten-free replacement. For bread, I basically just make whatever I would as a sandwich, maybe some chickpea salad, um, tofu salad, anything that's like really kind of protein heavy in there. And I put it in the middle and wrap it up. I love greens. Um, Whenever I'm doing even pasta dishes or chili or something like that, I fill up a bowl full of mixed greens generally, whatever is good, including fresh herbs, and then um, put the meal on top of that. And that helps save the calories add nutrition, and it really does help fill you up. And you don't have to have as much pasta or other type of um, food to fill you up. Yeah, it
2: it works beautifully. And I think the other thing with with the whole plant foods is they have a a stop mechanism. There's a satiation like, oh, okay, I'm full now. And I think a lot of people who struggle with weight don't really know what full feels like. You know, they kind of know what it feels like to have a full stomach and
3: you wait a little while so you can eat some more. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And with the sugar foods, I mean, there's sugar in a lot of foods and um, we're just talking straight up corn syrup or regular cane sugar. And, you know, it kind of tricks your body into not even realizing that it's eating. And if you really look into how the cells work and process the glucose, and it's really interesting that your body – almost never gets that trigger when you're eating something with a lot of sugar in it and um, vegetables and fruits. there's, There's absolutely not that response from your body, which is so cool. Yeah. So you have two children, Landon and Olive. Yes. And what are some of their favorite recipes? Oh my gosh. You know, they're, they love sweets cause they're kids, <laughs> but <You're> human, <laughs> um, yeah, they are. You know, my daughter loves making cookies with me, um, which is really fun. And the, I have a recipe, um, in here, I'm trying to find the actual title of it, but it's, it's the banana. Oh, it's like an oat banana cookie and it's like two ingredients so easy to make and she's seven and she makes those and they're really great we just gobble them up um and then my son who's 14 he's really into cooking as well and he's more um into chocolate. And so his favorite recipe, and I've probably made this in a dozen different varieties for him, is the chocolate brownie cake. Um, He eats it up and he's, I'm just so impressed that he's eating, you know, teff flour and great stuff like that. And he's so impressed that I'm letting him eat the sweets as I do. So they, they love working on that. And the queso is also a really big hit because we like that for snack nights and just... Um, making it into a basic pasta sauce. It works in so many different ways. Mm. And it's so
2: wonderful when kids grow up knowing how to cook. Oh, Because yes. a lot of people, you know, kind of miss, like, my mother's generation when most moms were at home. And a lot of us just sort of grew up on lean cuisine and... <laughs> carry out. (laughs) So to, to have that skill is really important. So you had an aha in your life, Allison, and it made you go vegan and gluten free. What was that?
3: yeah um well, it was mainly that it made me go gluten free um I had been vegan off and on for so many years i can't I think maybe when I was fourteen is when i started um but the gluten free uh came about when I was diagnosed with celiac disease um a while back. I had actually tried out a raw vegan lifestyle, um, hoping for anything to, to take away from the pain I was feeling while I was eating gluten and I was undiagnosed at the time. So I didn't know that gluten was causing it. And while I was eating this raw diet, I started to notice, um, how wonderful vegetables and fruits, um, could be on their own. And of course, raw cashews, one of my favorites. (laughs) Um, and I started to realize like, wow, eating this way, I can eat as much as I want. And i Don't have to worry about what I'm eating and my weight loss. And it really, um, it gave me this kind of renowned sense of like accomplishment in myself. Like, oh, wow, this is really freeing to me that now I can literally eat whatever I want as long as it's a healthy food, a a fruit or a vegetable or some whole food-based food And I don't have to worry about my weight fluctuating, which is something I've never, ever had occur before in my life. And also the raw food helped me kind of get diagnosed with celiac disease because I had given up gluten (laughs) doing this for um, a month or two and all of my symptoms disappeared. So it was kind of a a coincidence, but also just such a a really freeing moment for me. Um, And ever since then, I've really tried my hardest not to fall back into the bad eating habits that I was in and focus on that rainbow diet that i was talking about earlier
2: Mm. well you're beautiful your skin is beautiful your recipes are beautiful everybody take a look at this book naturally lean you'll see why it's gotten awards cheesy barbecued kale chips cinnamon plum streusel i mean really really good recipes for 300 calories or fewer now That would have to be an after-Christmas miracle. (laughs) AllisonKramer.com, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, K-R-A-M-E-R. We will put all the ways that you can find Allison online and elsewhere on our show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Allison Kramer, thank you so much, and may you have your best year yet. Thank you so much, Victoria, and you as well. Thank you so much. All the best. And everybody else... Stay with us. We are going to have Dr. Frank Sabatino, and you know what that means. We're going to get our health on.
1: Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller.
0: Ever notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio.
1: Listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at Main Street Vegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now back to Main Street Vegan.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back. So happy to have you here. We had lovely sponsor for several weeks at the end of 2016 Vegan Outreach and I just said I would give them another shout out today because one of the programs uh, that uh, they were on had a little bit of technical glitching, so people didn't get to hear that as soon as they should have. So vegan outreach. They go to colleges with all of this literature and information, and that may be one of the reasons why that particular age group and demographic is going vegan faster than just about anybody. So give them a shout out at veganoutreach.org and do check us out at mainstreetvegan.net and see what's going on over there. We've got a blog We've got all kinds of stuff going on. We'll just entertain and educate you as much as you care to be entertained and educated. And right now, oh my gosh, it is always such a pleasure for me to introduce Dr. Sabatino. I believe this is his third time on the program. And the reason that it's so special to me is that this is the human being that I trust the most with my health. If, heaven forbid, I had some awful thing happen, this is where I would go. Uh, Dr. Frank Sabatino is a vegan and plant-based chiropractic physician with a Ph.D. in neuroendocrinology, and he is currently director of the Ocean Jade Health Retreat, a lifestyle education center specializing in vegan nutrition, stress management, and water-only fasting. We actually had Dr. Frank on last year talking about fasting. You can check out that show. Um, Dr. Sabatino has written two books on Brain Science and Compassionate Vegan Weight Loss. Don't you love it? If we're going to be compassionate to animals, we can be compassionate to ourselves too. He's also written numerous articles and landmark research in magazines and peer-reviewed journals on calorie restriction and aging, hormonal balance, addiction, vegan nutrition, and stress management. Welcome, Dr. Frank Sabatino.
4: Good afternoon. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and share info with your listeners. It's great.
2: It's wonderful. And I know last time we just had so much to say. (laughs) We didn't have enough time to say it all. So tell me, what in this new year are you most jazzed about in terms of the health research and what we're learning now?
4: Well, uh, first of all, I'm jazzed about the fact that I finally was able to... uh, complete this vision of mine to have a little really intimate little setting where I could teach the vegan lifestyle and also uh, use those principles to help people recover. But within all of that is just, you know, the information that's out now on the impact that people can make in their lives with simple lifestyle choices, even down into a cellular level, even modifying their own genetics, which is really, I mean, that's just mind blowing to me as a person and as a scientist. Because we never really knew that. We knew the power that this way of living has, but now we could actually see the impact that it has in modifying the deepest recesses of our cellular intelligence and organization.
2: So explain that to those of us who aren't scientists. I mean, we all learned in school, you know, you've got this DNA and you inherit stuff from your parents and your grandparents. but when you talk about actually changing at that genetic level, what does that mean and what does it mean in real life for us right now?
4: Well, you know back in as, as not that far ago, back in the 1940s, a British uh, scientist Waddington came up with the idea that, look, genetics are important. We kind of come into the world with a deck of genetic cards. But he talked about the fact that environmental factors, outside factors, could, infect, could actually affect how genes function and express. And now we have research that has shown that simple lifestyle factors like vegan nutrition, stress management, and exercise can literally modify the actual function and outcome and expression of the genes that you have. So the genes themselves don't change. We do come into the world with them. But what we choose to do can actually modify how they express, either promoting or suppressing disease-producing elements, life-enhancing-producing elements. It's just mind-blowing and so exciting. And and the the thing is we are on the cusp in living and expressing a vegan lifestyle with making the most dramatic change in that gene pool.
2: Well, that's pretty exciting. So basically what that means is, we can say, yes, heart disease and type 2 diabetes and certain kinds of cancer run in my family, but that doesn't mean I have to worry about them necessarily. Is yeah. that right?
4: Yeah, what happened is for so long, you know, you'd you hear that in practice. People would say, you know, why? Wow, my father had heart disease, my mother had diabetes. So they, they kind of came from a place of hopelessness, like it's not going to really matter what I do. I'm going to be stuck with this outcome. And so people would live in fear and constraints, of their own gene pool. And now we know that actually uh, there are a number of studies that have been done. Uh, Ornish was one of the first people that published a a situation where they took people with cancer up the prostate and actually measured with with prostate biopsies the genetic environment. And then he put them on a program where they were eating a vegan diet, uh, they were doing exercise, like walking five times a week, doing some yoga, getting some psychosocial counseling. And after three months of that, when they rechecked the gene pool of these cancer patients, they found that over 400 genes that would normally express and promote cancer were actually suppressed by that lifestyle. So even though they had the genetic matrix to express cancer, the lifestyle had, in a sense, dampened the expression of that. It had actually suppressed the body's ability to promote cancer, And there now have been other studies on exercise in women. Women who exercise as little as 20 minutes five times a week have been shown to promote the activity of genes that actually dramatically reduce breast cancer risk and death from breast cancer. And we see this with stress management now. On, uh, on people that are caregivers who normally would have premature aging and suppression of the immune system. As simple as 12 minutes of meditation a day over eight weeks remarkably changed their genetic machinery in a way that it absolutely inhibited aging and enhanced immune function.
2: Mm. So listeners, can you see why I am crazy about this man? <laughs> because you really are holistic in the very best sense of that word i remember when dr ornish did his original heart disease work that showed that heart disease could be prevented back in the late 1980s and it was a a whole program that included the diet but it also included the stress management the social support the yoga so there are certain people within our movement who just say food is everything forget the rest food is everything what do you say to that
4: I say it's a mistake. I I mean, the bottom line is if you think about human beings and the complexity of who we are, the mind-body outcome that we are and the way our thoughts impinge on our beings and how our memories play to enforce our drives and addictions and cravings, you have to deal with those aspects of the human being. If you're not going to address those, I feel that you're shortchanging how uh, people are going to improve their lives. And in fact, a diet is of, of, of tremendous importance. And when you're eating in a plant-based manner, you're doing so many things, reducing inflammation, uh, enhancing chemical balance in the body, again, affecting these genes. But the truth is, if you think about the devastation that happens when we don't move or when we're not sleeping well or when we're overstressed, and stress becomes chronic in our lives. A classic example, they did a study on women who are caregivers to disabled children, and, of course, that's a very big stress, and we see caregivers have a remarkable suppression of their immune systems. They don't have wound healing quite as well. Uh, they're more prone to bacterial and viral infection. Well, the short of this story was they compared women in their 40s, who were healthy without dealing with disabled children and women who were caregivers and then monitored certain aspects of their genetic machinery, um, uh, enzymes that promote the way DNA replicates and develops when cells are growing. And they found that the women who had this stress, this ongoing chronic stress, were 10 years older on a cellular level than women of the same ages without that stress. Wow. So, stress impact on just aging and quality of life. If you don't address that, I, I feel that it's a huge mistake. I really mm-hmm. do.
2: And, you know, we should know this just by looking at U.S. presidents. You know, we're about to go from one to another. And every time this happens, especially if the sitting president has served two terms, we always say, gosh. <laughs> Yes, what doesn't
4: happens? he look a lot older than eight years? He's and as Carrie Fisher would say, he's more melted. I love that phrase, <laughs> how she describes it. They're a little more melted. Yes, that's true.
2: So <laughs> when you talk about these signs of aging at, at the genetic level, there's yeah. something that we've all heard about called telomeres, but right. I don't know how much we lay people really understand that. Can you fill us in?
4: Yeah, that, that's, it, it's, it's an interesting concept. If you look at DNA in a cell, uh, we all, everybody's heard the word genes because these genes are the way it dictates our hair color, the proteins that we have in our bodies, and the genes are arranged on chromosomes. So when cells divide, they make, you know, there's 23 pairs of chromosomes in a cell, and so when they divide, these the DNA has to be able to replicate. So if a cell has is dying or it's been damaged and it now has to grow and repair, that DNA has to grow and repair with it. So on the end of the chromosomes, kind of like on the end of a shoelace, that a shoelace has a hard cap, there's little repeating pieces of DNA called telomeres at the end of chromosomes, and they stabilize the chromosome. So when it divides and when it grows, it keeps it intact rather than fraying and falling apart. We also know that the telomere has to lengthen as the DNA divides. But as we age, one of the things that happens is that with the repeat division of DNA, those telomeres can shorten, and that's a sign of aging. And there's an enzyme that makes that happen that's called telomere ACE. So telomeres and telomere ACE have now been used by scientists as markers for aging. And that's how we have the data where we look at stress or you look at exercise or you look at food. And you have scientists that are actually measuring the length of those little end pieces, those little pieces of DNA called telomeres. And they can tell you how much you're aging or not aging from that.
2: So the things that we're already talking about, the whole foods, vegan diet, the meditation, the exercise, can actually lengthen or preserve the telomeres?
4: Right. They have been shown to actually increase the activity of the enzyme that lengthens the telomeres and have also been shown to lengthen the telomere itself. So Amazing. So you you've got a couple of pieces of data that are indicating that these lifestyle factors are, in, are slowing down the aging process.
2: Stunning. Now, I have heard, I think, on a... Late night TV commercial, (laughs) some company advertising that I think for 80 bucks, you can get your telomere length tested. Does that seem like something that's for real? Is that a way that just regular people could know how we're doing telomere wise?
4: Yeah. In science, they do have very sophisticated assays for monitoring the enzyme telomerase and for measuring the telomeres. I do not know how good the quality control is on those tests, so I haven't evaluated them closely enough to sit here and tell you that they actually do what they say they're going to do. And then uh, there are people who are even trying to sell supplementation that they feel will reinforce the lengthening of telomeres. And once again, The quality control is in question and there's always the question of when you take something into your body by mouth, you know, how does it make its way down deep into the cellular level? So I would, I would, I would put a caveat on all of that testing as of right now because I really don't know the quality control on that. I know that in science when it's done, it's very sophisticated monitoring that has to be done.
2: I see. Well, let's move to another word <laughs> that we've all heard, but I think some people might confuse it. I know sometimes I think I confuse it. We hear about antioxidant, and then we hear about anti-inflammatory. And I think a lot of the same foods are both, but what's the difference and does it matter?
4: Um it matters only in this regard. When you look when you look in the body, we know that oxygen is, is essential for us to live. You know, we, the body uses oxygen. In the presence of oxygen, it converts the sugar in the body into energy for every cell of the body. But oxygen is a double-edged sword because oxygen is a very unstable element. It's lacking an electron without getting very sophisticated. It makes it unstable. But oxygen, like all of us, is always searching, going through the body, looking for a stable relationship. So the way it stabilizes itself is it steals the electron that it's missing from any organ or tissue that it can find. And that oxygen with a missing electron is what we call a free radical. It's a free electron. And so free radicals have now been talked about, everybody's heard of them, as a foundation for a great deal of disease. Those free radicals are what we call oxidants. They oxidize tissue. It's kind of like putting a metal object in your garage or leaving it outside and it gets rusted. So the tissue is almost rusting from the oxidation. Antioxidants take care of free radicals by giving them the electron they need and saving the cells of the body. As it turns out, A diet that's loaded with fruits and vegetables has more than 50 times the antioxidant power than a diet that's loaded with conventional animal products and refined foods. Wow. So the the vegan diet is like such an antioxidant. Now, why is that important? Because we now know that free radicals are the foundation for a great deal of disease, including heart disease, aging, joint disease, and anything that gets rid of them like antioxidants, are going to promote an improvement. So antioxidation, oxidation antioxidants, and in fact, if you look at the, the longest-lived cultures, the so-called blue zone cultures, Sardinians, Icarians from Greece, Okinawans from Japan, you'll notice that their diets are loaded with antioxidants. And the more you eat in a vegan way, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, you don't need to think about it because you're bringing that in. Now, inflammation... Ties together a little bit with that, but it is a little bit different. And um, unfortunately, inflammation's gotten bad press because when you think about it, inflammation is a natural process in the body. If you were in a car accident or you damaged some tissue of your body or a cell or an organ, the body can create an inflammatory process that promotes healing. But it it operates in a very short term. If you're creating conditions like eating very acidic diets, With a lot of meat and dairy and refined foods, you're going to now create a chronic state of inflammation. And when inflammation becomes chronic, it kind of outlives its usefulness and now becomes a source of irritation and abuse. And the body will try to heal that. If that's on the wall of a blood vessel, it may start to produce a plaque cutting off oxygen and increasing heart disease. The the key is that plant-based foods are, again, very alkaline forming. They're very soothing, so they're anti-inflammatory. So when you're eating in a vegan, plant-based manner, you've got the double whammy of tremendous antioxidants and a major anti-inflammatory program, which is as good as it gets.
2: That sounds like it's as good as it gets, and, and I'm much clearer on all that, so thank you again. You always describe everything so that I completely get it. Now, let us talk about this giant controversy that is only controversial within the world of people who aren't eating animal, animal products and who want to be healthy. Now, when I mentioned to my editor for Main Street Vegan and the Good Karma Diet that there are a lot of people in this particular movement who, who do not believe that we should consume any extracted oils, no olive oil, nothing like that. She said, but everybody knows olive oil is good for you. And so I went to Google and I just put in dangers of olive oil. And all I could find page after page was why it's bad to use rancid olive oil. I went about 40 pages and finally just gave up because I couldn't find anything else bad. Now, certainly I've read, you know, sir, I've had Dr. Esselstyn on the program and and, uh, Dr. Campbell and all the people who are saying no extracted oils. I guess, Dr. Frank, I just feel that this is such a big leap for people anyway that when we say, oh, and you also have to saute your onions in vegetable broth – I mean, isn't that just too much to ask? So where do you come down on oil and chronic inflammation?
4: Well, yeah, the the problem with oil is, is that we know that when you look at the diet generally, First of all, there are no animals in nature that would isolate and extract the oil from their food chain, put it into big bottles of liquid oil, and then pour it on everything.
2: Okay, so, you got me there.
4: <laughs> yeah, so the bottom line is what happens with fats and oils is that they are unbelievably calorie-dense. So the one of the strong suits of a plant-based diet is that it is nutrient-rich because it's loaded with antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and calorie-poor which is a lovely thing, which means you can eat huge volumes of plants, fruits, and vegetables without worrying about calorie density. But the most calorie-dense food in the, in, in the uh, plant kingdom are going to be fats and oils. So when you start adding isolated fats and bottled oils to dinners and meals, etc., you are now escalating remarkably the calorie density. And that becomes a problem because then it contributes to problems of obesity and the like. Now, the bottom line is we recommend for that reason that you're not you're not not using oil but we want to see the oils come in primarily in whole foods avocados nuts seeds i mean if you ate a diet that was lettuce alone it would still be about five to seven percent fat so you want a diet that's only about 15 percent fat not the 30 to 35 percent that most americans are eating So, you know, I I think the arguments within the field, it, it is problematic that you've got some great minds fighting over what seems sometimes like smaller issues. But my feeling is olive oil in olives has some value. I mean, let's face it. It comes from a natural plant and it's a good fat. The problem is when you isolate it, you're exaggerating calorie density so dramatically. And here's the problem. When you cook with oils, The problem is even modest heat going into an oil creates the most dangerous free radical known to man, which is called the lipid peroxy radical. So my feeling is, is that first of all, I would still recommend getting oils primarily in your whole food form. But if you're going to add a small amount of olive oil to a salad or something, try to keep it in as much of the raw, uncooked state as you can. And I do recommend that if you're going to saute, that you saute in things like vegetable broth with a little bit of balsamic vinegar, things of that nature, that can still allow you to saute effectively without putting that high heat that oxidizes those fats because the, the, the free radicals produced by the high heat cooking of fat are some of the most dangerous known to man.
2: Wow. Wow. And that's not something that comes up often. So thank you, thank you so much for that. And of course, I trust your opinion on olive oil because your name is Sabatino.
4: Absolutely, baby. I got that <laughs> vowel at the end. You know, once you have the <laughs> vowel at the end, you can talk about olive oil. You know,
2: that's right. So how about just explain some of the differences in these diets? I mean, you were talking about keeping the the oil raw if you're going to use it. How about raw food diets and and the natural hygiene diet? I mean, you and I go way back through what used to be called the American Natural Hygiene Society, and they were very interested in raw food and some other sorts of what a lot of people these days would call restriction that maybe we don't need to do now. So what's the bottom line as you see it?
4: Well interestingly enough the old hygienic diet that was put forth by Shelton and some of those contemporaries was actually more balanced than some of the real vegan diets today meaning that Shelton always advocated having you know a few, few ounces of nuts and and oils that way and you know broad based plants and so you know it actually was right on target the thing that wasn't on target back in the day they would talk a lot about food combination and of course we now know that Kelton didn't have all the information that was necessary at the time. We now know that many of those rules. do not really apply the way you know we once thought they did so I I advocate people eating a very broad based whole food vegan plant based diet without refined sugars and again virtually free of salt and oil again I like I think people do better when they take their oils in whole foods rather than bottled oils so I still do advocate that but I'm not going to freak out if someone puts a teaspoon Mm -hmm. of really high quality extra virgin olive oil on a salad for dressing it's not the end of the world the earth will still spin on its axis but i think the only time i get really pointed with food combining and i get really precise with some of them that stuff i'm really dealing with someone with major intestinal problems you know if there's really a health issue where i really need to simplify the combinations of things that they're eating but the fact of the matter is we're really just looking at a diet recommending a diet that's whole foods primarily plant based without animal products, without refined sugar, and as little cooked oils as possible. And if you follow that, I think you're going to be on a good track. One of the problems that happens with raw food diets is that because they, for many raw foodists, they become so high in nuts and nut oils and nut cheeses that the fat content of that diet can go up exorbitantly. Uh, and so it's true that you'll eat smaller amounts of some of those products, but I think human Better from a wide variety of studies when the fat content stays around 10 to 15 percent, not going up above 30 to 35 percent.
2: Okay, I get it. And then you get more food to eat, so you get to spend more time chewing. And some of us really find value in that.
4: And all us vegan foodies, we love that, you know.
2: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Plus, it gives you more time to sit around a table and talk. That's good too.
4: So italian household and the truth is i love to eat and you know eating this way with the calorie density being as low as it is you can enjoy you know nice volumes of really good quality food it's great
2: yeah it is so we talked about telomeres we talked about aging so how do we slow it down you know so many people they think when it's their birthday or it's january 1st it's like oh my gosh it's all going away what do we do to stretch it out
4: doesn't that blow your mind? We just get lost in the numbers, and it's really, yes. it's really a disservice to us. Well, the things we've talked about, you know, you, look, the the basic lifestyle factors are number one: we want to eat plant based. That's how we're designed to eat. And now there's enough data to suggest that when you do, you're reducing inflammation, you're reducing free radicals. You know, you're in, you're enhancing all of the qualitative factors that promote life and health. Believe it or not, the the theories of aging that are out there that really promote aging are, number one, you want to lower calorie restriction, you want to reduce inflammation, you want to reduce free radicals, you want to reduce lipid peroxidation. Without even knowing what any of those things mean, when you eat the way we recommend, all of that is taken into account. There is no better anti-aging program than eating a vegan plant-based diet. And now if you add just modest amounts of exercise Some real good flexibility, uh, stress management stuff like yoga, tai chi, a little bit of meditation. It doesn't take a lot. And you are dealing with the most profound anti-aging program that there is. You don't need supplementation. You don't need to start worrying about all those years. Just look at people that live that way over time. They have defied the typical aging process that is so common in our culture.
2: It is true. And I talk to people all the time who go to a doctor for something or other and they're asked what medications they're on and they say none and the, the doctor looks like they've just said something shocking
4: right I know it's, they're totally incredulous. It's just you know and it is true because you rarely find somebody past the age of 50 that's not on some form of medication or on a litany of medications. And the truth of the matter is when people embrace the lifestyle that we're talking about, they become medication free because medication is not the solution. Lifestyle choices are the solution and they will promote aging. And And it's even a bigger piece than that. I, I'm really into, you know, when you eat the way that we're recommending, you are expressing You're involved with three love affairs. You're loving yourself. You're loving the creatures around you and you're loving the planet on which you live. And I really feel that there is no real true health program that doesn't encapsulate those three major love affairs. But the first thing is to really love yourself where you are, who you are, because we all come in perfect and divine, and that divine intelligence is always expressing. And the truth of the matter is, when you embrace that sense of self-love and self-worth with lifestyle choices that support that, you are setting in motion the most dynamic youthfulness that can exist on the planet. And that's my opinion.
2: Wow. Now, how, listeners, would you like to just hang out with this man? learn from him, study with him, be examined and diagnosed and treated and whatever with this incredible human being, well, you can do that uh, at Ocean Jade Health Retreat. You can find out more information at OceanJadeRetreat.com. It's in South Florida. I haven't been yet, but I am so excited about getting to go. So tell us, Dr. Frank, first, if we're eating this way and doing all these things, Why might we need to look at fasting as well and then tell us about Ocean Jade? We've got four minutes.
4: Yeah, well, fasting, you know, is a process of, uh, you know, it's really a process of deep physiological rest. And because when you cut out food intake, you're allowing the energy of the body to direct itself wherever it needs to heal and, and those kinds of things. So, you know, even when you're doing the right stuff at home, sometimes we just get overwhelmed by our schedules and we're stressed out and we need to step back. And that's why I created this very small center. I, you know, I've worked at places that had 50 rooms. This has eight to nine so that it's a very intimate, serene, this is really a place of mindfulness and serenity, and that's really what I wanted at this stage in my life. So when people come in, they can step back, they can get the rest, they can commune with the ocean. Like I said, we have yoga, tai chi, qigong, meditation, all of those really life-enhancing things that sometimes slip away when we're caught up in our busy schedules. So Ocean Jade, for me, is a place where I can get into very intimate, up-close, personal contact with you know, 10 to 15 people a week and be able to work personally and and really share a lot of info and share a lot of wonderful workshops. And we're going to have a wonderful food program, but they can also fast if they found that, you know, they deviated from a state of health and they need a real nice resting process with good supervision by the ocean. So, you know, it, it satisfies a lot of things for me and hopefully it will for the people that come there.
2: Oh, it sounds absolutely wonderful! And in back in the day, there used to be what half a dozen, ten places yeah. to go for supervised water fasting, and now Ocean Jade in South Florida and True North in Santa Rosa, California, are it as far as I know.
4: Yeah, you know, I think there's a woman, Grace Un. She's a chiropractor. She worked with Alan Goldhammer. I think she opened a small house in Ohio too. That's doing a little bit of fasting also. Okay. But- The truth is that they are few and far between. That's the truth. And years ago, you know, you you and I had this conversation. Fasting had fallen out of favor in, in many ways. People were freaked out by it. But the research that has come out now on fasting from the standpoint of science, there are major fasting studies going on now at the Mayo Clinic, University of Genoa in Italy. The medical profession has latched on because now we're even finding that even modest fasting can help cancer patients deal with the side effects of medication, you know, a hard cancer meds. So we're seeing so many benefits now with fasting that, you know, we've known, but the science has now vindicated. And uh, I think you're going to see more and more people latch on to this very simple, conservative, energy-conserving process. And I hope so, because you know what? It's It, it gives you an opportunity to heal in a way that many times you can't achieve taking a normal medication route or even sometimes taking an alternative medicine route. Fasting is really getting down to the true basics and fundamentals of healing.
2: Simple and magnificent. Like you, Dr. Frank Sabatino. So everybody, check out OceanJadeRetreat.com. We will put everybody's URLs and social media on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Next week. The live show features Sunny Superbanian. She's the author of Compassionate Chicks Guide to Beauty. And then we're bringing on Dr. John McDougall, The Starch Solution. We've not had Dr. John McDougall on the show before, and we're very excited about that. And anybody out in the Southwest, if you are in the Sedona, Arizona area, I'll be there this very weekend, January 14 and 15, for the Sedona Veg Fest. And I'm going to be doing my one woman show, The Making of a Main Street Vegan. So check that out. There'll be a lot of great speakers Gene um, Bauer, uh, Dr. Joel Furman, and um, I'll be there doing a performance. <laughs> so if that's your part of the world, it would be wonderful to get to meet you, everybody. Thank you so much for making this hour part of your life today. I hope you'll check out both of our guests. God bless you and eat your veggies.
1: Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey.
0: Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world.
1: There's a story about a man who was looking for a new home. When he arrived at the gate of a city, he asked, Tell me what kind of people live here. The gatekeeper replied, Tell me about the people in the place you've come from. He answered, They were angry, self-centered, and dishonest. The gatekeeper said, they're just
4: like that here. You wouldn't be happy. Move on. Later, another stranger
0: arrived and asked the same question. The gatekeeper said, tell me about the people in your last
4: town. She answered, oh, they were wonderful, kind, generous, and loving.
1: The gatekeeper replied, the people of this town are just like that. Come on in. You'll be happy here. Often we see the world not as it is, but as we are. If
4: you want to change the world, start with yourself. Be the kind of person you wish the rest of
1: the world would be.
0: This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. i light a candle in your name. Just like life. and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name.
4: Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.